Welcome back for the second of our two-part series called Open Hearts, Open Homes, Home for Good. If you haven't already listened to part one, you may want to check it out now before listening to this one, part two, of Rachel's inspiring story. Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced childcare professional, and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them, in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so, throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. So we've talked and We've talked around you and and your experiences growing up as an adopted child and, you know, alluded to your brothers and how different it all is. If we can move over now to your own children or, or your own, I suppose, your, your firstborn and how he was able to accept incoming children so how how did you manage that because you know a lot of parents who don't you know don't open their homes significantly it could well be because they think that their own child doesn't like it or doesn't want it maybe they have additional needs or all sorts of reasons but they're doing it for that reason so I just wonder how you helped your child open his home as well as your yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. So I guess um it it's been a long process and I think that's part of uh the importance of that, you know, not to um almost give the highlights because <laughs> there's some low lights along that journey too. And um I part of my story, it wasn't always brilliant and you know I, I can look back now you know, at the, at this stage, yes, it's hard work, but I love where I am now. I love my family. It's crazy. It's hard work. It's exhausting. Listeners, you, you've got to and believe this. This is actually true. <laughs> I'm having just spent a couple of hours with you. She's just it's amazing love and enjoyment. Yeah. And they, and do. it really is, it's, it is a joy. Um, but it, it's, it's that, 
cliche of it's a calling and I do believe that I do feel that this is part of my my story this is what I am supposedly made for I guess um but you know I certainly plan to have more birth children and um and then go into fostering and adoption later on um which ended up being but in the meantime I was a suddenly a single parent um of a three-year-old in a two-bedroom home and that shut down all my hopes and dreams actually for a long time because I couldn't perceive living in the south of England I'm a teacher you know I wasn't working full-time and how do you get a house big enough to to evolve and create the family that you dreamed of when you're suddenly on your own and and so that was a a a tough challenging quite a few years um yeah it was it was really really challenging so I put my hopes and dreams in a box and locked it um and I probably threw away that key assuming it would never you know come to be and and you try and find your way to coping with that I think really and accepting that the thing you thought was going to happen isn't going to happen um but when it's a really deep rooted heartfelt thing it's really hard to to do that in that sense but that was the decision but um just over a few significant things that I won't go into now but um that almost hope was reignited um and it was a tough reignition <laughs> because I was not okay with it because I'd it, it hurt you know there were hurts around all of those those things too and navigating that with a, a child who was um a, just a teenager at that stage he'd just turned 13 but I shared with him that actually that was my hope for the future not knowing how long it was going to take or you know if it ever would really happen um and the lovely thing about my birth son is his beautiful, generous, open heart as well. And I hope I've had a little bit to do with um, sort of creating have, that yes. environment. I hope. But he is his own person as well. So, so let me just get this right. Yeah. You introduced the idea to your birth child yeah. when he was an adolescent. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because in terms of child development, that's not a great time to be doing that. I'm not quite sure what happened there, but, you know, maybe the timing wasn't necessarily mine, but it it worked. And, um, you know, I shared with him that this had always been my dream. And obviously he knows my background and our family, our wider family's background in terms of adoption. And... Yeah, I I remember having the conversation saying, this is what I want to do, Josh. How about do we do we foster first or do we adopt first? You know, what would you like? And actually for him, being an only child, I always assumed he would go foster first. You know, let's let's dip our toe in if we don't like it. You know, see, and he was like, I want someone who's here all the time. I want permanence. And he did. That was what he wanted. So he said, I want to adopt first. So that was actually the reason I adopted first before going into fostering. Um, because he wanted someone who was always going to stay. Um, so there's that, there's something innately in us as a family. And this is definitely, you know, this is generationally yes. given to us, if yes. that makes sense, yes. is about that longevity yes. of, of investment. 
and it's not investment in money. Yes, it does. But it's actually, it's not about that. It's about the investment of time and love and care of detail and uh, determination in the hard stuff because there's plenty of hard stuff that comes along with growing children. You know, it really does. But yeah, so he was very instrumental actually at certain points in the journey there were a couple of points as well where I was like do you know what this is too hard you know who knew selling your house at the point of that became a really challenging point um with something and I was I was very ready to go do you know what we have a really lovely life you know my mortgage is going to be paid off in a couple of years. Let's not, let's not go and extend it. Let's not go in and really put ourselves out there. And actually he was instrumental in going, hang on, mum, this is exactly what you want to do. It's what you've always wanted to do. Why would you stop when it gets a little bit hard? And you're like, okay, who's the parent? <laughs> who's suddenly become wise beyond your years? And that is my my beautiful boy. Um, and that is his heart. So his heart is definitely for the underdog. I call him my gatherer of waifs and strays because he goes around and recognises people on the outside and will bring them in. So it's, it's beautiful. So you he's know what, there. what I'm getting from this is that we shouldn't actually be frightened of opening up a discussion with our children. We shouldn't assume that they are thinking one thing. And even age-wise, I laughed and said, you did this as a teenager, as an adolescent. My goodness. But actually, even that, that was my judgment. That was my supposition. Whoa, don't do it now, you know. Do it when they're nine, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they can take on the world. So, so you're, I, I, that's my take home for, yeah. for this. You, you did something very wise and you were surprised by his reaction. Yeah. I, I think that's very Yeah, special. and I think, I think that is it. We've had, and I wonder if that's because we, I've lone parented him for all of his, you know, since he was three. So there isn't, you don't have that other adult in your home to have those private conversations with. So actually, your whole family is you guys, you know, and and we, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm not sharing stuff that is inappropriate. <laughs> and I think that's really, really important. It isn't, you know, if something's going wrong at school, I don't suddenly go, well, I can't believe your teacher did. No. That's not the conversation I'm ever going to have because that's detrimental to, but significant stuff that is going to impact them and and change their world (laughs) absolutely and all of a sudden you're going to have to share me when you have never had to do that is is you know how could I possibly just throw that at someone because I wouldn't like that um and I think because of our family um experiences all of my children do not like surprises (laughs) So, because surprises don't always create and evoke a a happy feeling. So, actually, surprises are not the way to go in our family, and that includes my birth son. Um, So, we are quite open in the sense of we discuss what we're going to do and how it's going to look. You know, I would say that Josh and I are more um, fly by the seat of our pants. You know, if it's a nice day, we'll suddenly wake up and we would go off. My daughter can cope with that, which not all adopted and fostered children can. She is able to, to cope with that sudden change. 
my young man with additional needs cannot do that. So we have to be much more rigid. I don't think if we had introduced that rigidity right at the beginning, I don't think it would have been as successful because I think Josh and I probably needed to go on a journey of adaptation (laughs) um, to include and bring in another child. Um, So we were very clear in the training. So Josh had some great training as well, not just for me, but um, my adoption agency supported him in that training, recognising that he was almost 18 at the time that we were going to be adopting, that actually he needed to know on a different level because as a single parent with a almost adult child he was going to play a significant role and they felt and I felt and that was a big part of my my adoption training and, and conversation I said that he really has to be dealt with differently not as a not yes. as a child yes. he's going to play yes he'll be her her sibling but actually, he's going to play a different role. Almost like an uncle relationship. Well, absolutely, almost. absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's been hard to navigate at times. Yes. You know, it's it's hard to maintain a sibling connection as well as he is another adult in the class in, in the class mm-hmm. in the in the house. She does need to respond to him as an adult, and sometimes she doesn't. So that causes clashes sometimes mm. because she she puts him back on her level, and he's not mm. in terms of you know he is in charge if I'm out or you know that sort of thing. So we we clash beautifully mm. at dynamics mm. moments, and mm. and and we have real life. You know, we do not have perfection all the time. We might have glimpses of it, and then go oh. very reassuring for us. <laughs> Here, yes, very, very, very. Absolutely. So, thank you. I, I just think this this is an amazing subject, and and you're brushing against <laughs> other subjects yeah. that we will be exploring in other podcasts, like like secure attachments, yeah. and uh, as I said before, siblings and friendships yeah. and what families look like. Yeah. Um, I love I love what you're saying, and I, I'm just going to own up here. I remember being quite regularly involved in some children's groups on a weekly basis where my own children were part of that. Mm. And I got it so wrong, so wrong. My own children would be eager, eager, eager to do the things and I would ignore them. I would ignore them. Guilty as charged with my best son. Yeah. And I've learnt so much better. Because we just want... You don't want to show favouritism. You don't want to, and you go so far the opposite way to prove that you're not. And if my son was sitting here now, (laughs) he would beautifully list all my failings (laughs) because they hurt. Mm. And that's the thing. So, you know, but the lovely thing is if you keep an open dialogue with your your children, whatever age they are, you know, I model and I have always modelled sorry (laughs) and hopefully relatively well. Um, and I think that's it. It's okay to be fallible, to, to get things wrong. It's how we repair them. And I think that's, for me, that's such a key factor. So we're coming towards the end, I guess. But uh, I just wonder whether you have, you might have some takeaway thoughts for our listeners on 
first steps to cultivating an open heart and an open home don't have to be the whole hog, don't we? Very few of us will will be considering, although we might, and hopefully it will inspire many listeners to to consider it. I, recently with the Ukraine and things, you know, a yeah. lot of people yeah. have been considering opening their heart and home. So just some takeaway thoughts for us, um, maybe about freedoms and boundaries. Yeah, so, I mean, I think... All of us, if we embark on being part of family, and that doesn't have to be your nuclear family anyway. If you're an uncle, if you're an aunt, you're you know grandparent. Actually, we all have a part to play in open hearts, open hand. You know that's 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 how it works. Family is not um, just the people you physically live in the same house with, and I think that's a really important part to think about so it might be that the takeaway for for some people is actually you know my sister's in the phase of life with three young children under seven and actually do you know what I could give them a a date night or something you know I could go and babysit for them or you know it might be as basic as that that's being open-hearted and recognizing the needs so yes you've got the Ukraine situation and loads of people have opened their hearts that in one part of my heart was really exciting and in my other part of my heart really got upset by that because we have a significant need for foster families and adoptive families to come forward in this this in our our culture our, our country and because that was so upfront and in your face with the people being displaced we saw the need as a nation which is a beautiful thing and said yes we can fit and and do that but because we don't see the children who are being damaged by early trauma within their own home, the children with PTSD, not because of the war zone from external fighting, but from within their four walls, that actually we aren't yet stepping into that that void in the numbers that are needed at the moment. So, you know, my, my heart's desire is for the need for foster families ultimately my heart's desire is for every child to have a home which is the home of the good motto yes. um I, but it's how we do that it would be great if all f- children could remain in their birth families with the right support and you know that would be amazing that's not going to happen in the society that we live in at the moment there are children that need that external support and and care to give them that that secure base to to learn about life from um but at the moment we have a real shortage in both of those camps of fostering and adoption so you know yes my my heart's desire is is that you know if if we can inspire one family to say do you know what maybe we could do that but it's really about having open and honest conversations whether you've got older you know um, birth children or wider family because your family have to be on board with this you know to bring children with early trauma into your home you have to have some awareness of how to support them. Um, I, I do always remember um, when we were doing the training for um, for adopting my daughter and my parents did the family and friends training and things like that. And bearing in mind, they've done it. You know, they have experience of helping um, 
children with that early trauma through their lives and done it very successfully as far as I'm concerned. Um, I remember having a conversation with my dad and him saying, I didn't understand any of this early trauma and attachment stuff. We just hope we were doing the right thing by loving you. And actually, first and foremost, I remember having a conversation with um, the very first day I I went up and had my initial interview um, with the adoption agency in London. And I remember saying something along the lines of, I'm willing to learn everything. I don't have all the the bells and whistles that I know I'm going to need to to parent children with with early trauma. But this is who I am. And first and foremost, I'm a mum and I can give my heart and and things. And they went, well, first and foremost, we can teach you all the other stuff. We just need you to love these children that are going to come into your home. where we started, love is practical. Love shows itself in in many, many ways. So thank you. So yeah. yeah. So yes, I call it parenting with bells and whistles on that's that's I just have to think a little bit more widely and and I can't react and I have learned that's that's probably the biggest change of my parenting um maybe that's age comes comes into that as well um I was a lot younger when I was initially parenting Josh um but with my other um beautiful additions to our family I I'm very measured in my responses, um, probably more laid back in my parenting style naturally because I'm okay with how I parent. I'm quite, quite comfortable with that. And I think that's hard to come to that place sometimes when we perceive and mm. wonder how other people perceive our parenting. Well, and yeah. I, actually that's what we're all about with these yeah. podcasts is actually uh, uh, hopefully most of it is affirming all of it is affirming yeah. because it's a tough job yeah. carving out space for yourself we've talked about that yeah. before but that presumably is very very important yeah. you're not so good at it we know I it. <laughs> uh, it's something I have yeah. to start putting words into your please mouth please do you, please do it might eventually you know drip feed <laughs> something that we all yeah. need to do yeah. um whatever that looks like something that feeds you that energizes yeah. you and 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 what will energize you will be different yeah. from what energizes joe and myself yeah. so so know yourself and what you Definitely. need to to refuel yeah, no, that's that's very true, and I think that's that's the stage I'm at now. I know you are asking, you know, what's my takeaway from here, mm-hmm. you know, and you know when we get to reflect on on sharing my story, you know, every time you share your story, you go, oh, that yeah, I hadn't thought about that bit before, and that is part of the joy of sharing your story actually along this journey. But for me, um, I'm, I am about to um, change my roles outside of my home again um, to give myself more capacity because the thing that brings me joy is walking this journey along other families who are deciding or thinking about um, taking this this route because um, it is unique. you know. So watch this space it because is. as soon as... <laughs> That gets off yeah. the ground. We will be signposting our listeners yeah, to yeah. not only Home for Good, but yeah. but 
whatever that yeah, looks like you. in the future. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we'll definitely do that. That'd be exciting. So, yes, it is a watch this space. I'm very excited. And that's where I get my energy. So, yeah, it's finding your bit that, that makes your heart sing. And that might be in your season just sharing your that beautiful book with your child or, you know, with your grandchild or whatever that looks like and just carve that out each week. It's exciting. Thank you so, so much. Um, Jo's been sitting in on us very, very patiently. Um, she didn't know whether she was going to say something, but she is. <laughs> well, we are so excited for you, Jo, that you've got your two little men arriving before too long for the first time. So, Yeah, thank you so much for um, allowing me to be part of the conversation this morning. I have been scribbling the nuggets of wisdom that have been shared this morning as we're at the beginning of our journey, um, having been married for, for 30 years, but now have this opportunity to, to parent uh, two wonderful young men. Uh, just been linked with them, so very, very early stages, uh, very, very different journey, very different background, very different everything. But there are so many threads that intertwine, um, so many uh, in, in whatever family looks like. There are there are take homes from today. Um, but I'm particularly have been uh, scribbling anything into to do with <laughs> uh, the um, on, on the adoption side uh, to uh, just to take home those those things, those things to uh, uh, to dwell on and to um, to not worry about. What the bomb particular is is not to dwell on what you've done wrong, but actually what what went right today. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> because there will be there's going to be many things on that. So thank you, and particularly look forward to what you're going on to next to to journey together. Because it's so so good to be able to have people alongside you who understand where you are yeah. without explaining, um, and to that that will be so encouraging. So. If our paths don't cross again, you'll cross with many other paths of people who will, will want that information. So thank you. Well, what can I say but a huge thank you for sharing your story with us. Not all of us are called to be foster carers or to adopt children, but we can all enlarge our hearts and homes in many, many other ways. And listeners, we've referenced the charity Home for Good a number of times in these two episodes. And we hope that you will want to check out their website. It just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode of Turning Little Stones. We hope it's given you some food for thought and maybe some ideas to try. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode, together with further information, episodes and resources, by heading over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.com. So until next time, goodbye.